Well, Merry Christmas. Thank you for uh, joining us here at Calvary Chapel of the High Desert to celebrate the birth of our Savior, Jesus Christ. Yes, we are here to celebrate the fact that the King has come and uh, also gather with a great anticipation that the Jesus that came as the baby in a manger will one day come back, the King of Kings, the Lord of Lords, and he will rule and reign over everything. Everything. Amen. Amen. But this evening, if you have a Bible, you want to go ahead and open it up to John chapter 6. John chapter 6. Uh, we're going to look at a, a series of different verses to discover or to learn why Jesus came. Why Jesus came. Our, our first will be John chapter 6, and you'll want to locate verse 38. Verse 38. In John chapter 6 and verse 38, Jesus says, For I have come down from heaven not to do my will, but the will of him who sent me. Would you bow for a moment of prayer? Father, we come before you and we thank you, Lord, for everything that you've done for us. We thank you, Lord, for uh, just the truth that we sang, that, that you have sent your son, that God is with us, that Deity has taken, taken on humanity and lived amongst us and provided a way for us to be right with you and have the hope of eternity. And so, Lord, as we are on the eve of Christmas, we want to celebrate the birth of your son. We ask, Lord, that you would take your word and that, Father, in the hearts and lives of the believer, may we, Lord, reflect on the, the reason that Jesus, your son, has come. Father, any that are here this evening, and Lord, they just know in their life that things are not right, that they're aware that, that they don't have a relationship with you, that Father, as they hear the reason for your son's coming, that Lord, you would work in their heart and that they would understand the great hope that is available to them, the hope of forgiveness, of life in Christ. And so, Lord, we are joyful over what you have done and your son whom you have sent. And, Lord, we are also anticipating you continuing to do a work on this Christmas Eve of increasing the family of God. And so we ask that you would work in our midst, that you would take your word, that your son would be exalted, and that you would accomplish much for your glory and your name's sake. In Jesus' name, and everybody said, amen. amen. Tomorrow is the one day out of the year that you will not have to wonder why your children are up. <laughs> Think about it. Like, tomorrow is the one day that you know somewhere between 3.56 a.m., right, and, and 8 a.m., the kids in the house will get up they will shout Christmas, and you will know why they're up. If you think about it, there's many other days during the year when you will wonder why they're up. You have your little two-and-a-half-foot humanoid slip into your bedroom in the middle of the night and in the most creepy fashion hover over you and in a disturbing voice, they'll say, 
You will open your eyes still in a drowsy state and you wonder, is, is this an angry elf that has snuck into the house? And you wonder, why did you come into the room? And then you'll hear things like, Dad, I'm hungry. <laughs> really? Mom, I had another bad dream. Or, or Mom, I'm, Dad, I'm, I'm cold. Now slip under the covers and put those feet that came straight from Antarctica <laughs> on you. They'll stick to your leg. They're so cold. Right, and you know why they came. Every Christmas, you hear the reason why Jesus came. You hear it in the Christmas story. There's many of you young children that are excited about tomorrow, but you know that, that you will gather looking at all of the presents. You will be mesmerized by the glitter reflecting off of the firelight on each of the bows of your presents. And before you can open them, you may hear from your parents, we're going to read the Christmas story first. And as you read the Christmas story you will hear from the angels why Jesus came. You may hear if you read in Matthew, the angels telling Joseph that Jesus came, that he has come to save his people from their sins. If you read about the angel and Mary, you will discover that Jesus came as the son of the highest to sit on the throne of David, to reign over the house of Jacob forever and have a kingdom that will not end. If you read about the shepherds, the angels declare why Jesus came and they say, for there is born to you this day in the city of David, a savior who is Christ the Lord. You will hear from the angels why Jesus came, what Christmas is about. But tonight, how about we go straight to the source and hear from Jesus himself as to why he came. Jesus let us know throughout the Gospels why he came. And I would like you to know and like you to see four reasons Jesus came. Four reasons that can change and alter your life forever. Jesus himself spoke and gave us the reason why he came. And the first reason we'll look at is he came to do the Father's will. We read about that in John chapter 6. The second reason we will look at to know why Jesus came. What is Christmas all about? He came to seek and to save the lost. The third reason Jesus came, the reason we celebrate Christmas, is he came that you might have life. And fourth, Jesus came, the celebration of Christmas, the birth of the Christ child, he came to give his life for you. It's a wonderful truth, you see, after an extended period of time of God being silent, the silence of God was broken by the cry of the Christ child. And that child, Jesus, grew to be a man and declared the reason for Christmas. And he declares to you and to me the first reason he came to do the Father's will. If you opened up to John chapter 6, you see it there in verse 38. I have come down from heaven, not to do my own will, but the will of him who sent me. 
There's something about each Christmas as you try to get ready for it and you want to be generous and you want to, you know, give gifts to people you love and care about. But I would imagine that just about every one of us in here, we have somebody that's difficult to shop for. Anybody have a difficult person to shop for? Like you just don't know. And, and you go and you ask them like, hey, I want to give you a gift. You know, what can, I, what can I do? What are you interested in? Can you give me some ideas? And they will help so much. They'll look at you and go, I don't know. And you're like, unfortunately, Amazon does not sell I don't know. Like I, I just doesn't even come, for, they don't even have it. Well, there's a relationship in which every person in this relationship knows what the individual wants. It is the relationship of a parent and a child. Every child in here today, you know what mom wants. All I want for Christmas is a clean house and all of you to get along and just obey me. Right, I even caught some of my teenage daughters, you know, mockingly saying that, like, all I want for Christmas is a clean house and you to love each other. And I'm like, yeah, you're right. And I guess you're loving each other, but don't let mom hear that. You might not see Christmas. <laughs> but right, you know, in that relationship, what do mom and dad want? What do you as a parent want? You want that obedience. You want them to respect and to honor your will and desire. And you come here and see the reason why Jesus came was to do the Father's will. You find even in verse 38, and really throughout John, from like chapter 5 to chapter 17, you see Jesus over and over again letting it be known that he was sent. That he didn't in eternity decide, I want to break from the Father, I'm going to run away and go to earth, but rather to fulfill the Father's will, he left heaven, took on humanity, and lived amongst us. The will of the Father was that he would send his Son. Jesus came as one who was sent. It's why we reflect on the prophet Isaiah's words in Isaiah 9, 6. For unto us a child is born, unto us a son is given. The Father has sent his Son. Jesus came to fulfill the will of the Father that we might in Jesus see the glory of God, see the fullness of the truth and the grace of God, the loving kindness of God in his Son. The Son came to do the Father's will. He was sent. Know that the Father's will is so difficult that apart from the Son, not a single one of us can fulfill it. I mean, listen, Jesus came to do the Father's will. He came to do something and fulfill something that is impossible for us in our fallen state to do. He came to live the life we could not live, to die the death that we deserve. It's the Christmas story. He came to embrace the difficulty. That's why you see in the gospel of Luke at the, towards the end of Jesus' life, he's in the garden of Gethsemane and he is sweating great drops of blood and just agony and stress. And he cries out to the father, if there's any way for this cup to pass, if it's your will, let it be, but not my will, but your will be done. He embraced the 
submissiveness to the Father to do what was difficult, what we cannot do, that is live a life of perfect obedience, live a life of perfection, live a life fully living up to God's standard and his law. And Jesus, in coming to do the Father's will, embracing the difficulty of doing what we cannot, being what we are not, he did it with great delight. You see, tethered to the joy of Jesus is his desire to do the Father's will. And that will was to fulfill the law's demands. It is a will that we are unable to do, but we demand and desire. Think about how even within Christmas, this last month, even maybe today, you said certain things that prove that we as human beings desire obedience, desire right living. We have in Christmas, the tales that go on, we have the naughty or nice list. And you might have even heard like, hey, if you don't straighten up, you're getting nothing for Christmas. You're not even getting a clump of coal. You're just getting nothing. Why? Because even within the Christmas season, we understand that desire, that will, that longing for right living and obedience. And Jesus comes to say, I embrace that difficulty. I went to that point of death, death on the cross, to fulfill the Father's will, the will that none would perish, but that all would come to repentance. You come and you find the second reason in Christmas from Jesus himself. Not the declaration of the angels, but from the words of Christ in Luke chapter 19 in verse 10. The second reason, Luke chapter 19 verse 10, he came to seek and save the lost. Not only to do the Father's will, but to, to seek and save the lost. Luke 19 verse 10 says, for the Son of Man, Jesus speaking, has come to seek and to save that which is lost. Jesus came, Christmas is about heaven's search and rescue mission for humanity. Jesus came for that which is lost, that it might be saved, that it might be found. NASA just released a news uh, article or a news uh, leak or breaking news, rather, that's what I'm looking for, that they finally cracked a case on the International Space Station that has been open for eight months. They had lost in space for eight months a tomato. Yeah, it was a big deal, I guess. They thought an astronaut ate it. The astronaut said, I didn't eat it. They searched for eight months to find the tomato. And they finally found it and released pictures of it and had breaking news. We found the tomato. And I can't help but think of those moments when you get a salad from a restaurant and they don't cut the cherry tomato. And you go to try to stab it. And it decides to jump. And you're like, lost that one. But here NASA spends eight months looking for a tomato. You think of how little value a tomato is 
And look at what the God of all creation looks at when it comes to you. He says, I will send my son to seek and to save that which is lost. Christmas is about the greatest rescue mission in the face of humanity. It's a great truth that is for any and every person here this evening that you look at your life and you go, I'm lost. I don't know where I'm going. I don't know what I'm doing. You know what lost people say? They say, I've lost my way. I don't know what to do. They say, I need to find myself. That's what lost people say. In the moments of being lost, there is that overwhelming experience of loneliness. Jesus says, I I came for you. Christmas has a way so often of poking at the wounds of loneliness and rejection. It has a way of picking away at the scabs of the hurts of friends and family. You in here, maybe in the Christmas season, have experienced loneliness nipping at your heart like Jack Frost nipping at your nose. Jesus says to you tonight, I've, I've come seeking to save you. It's important that you understand when Jesus says the Son of Man has come to seek and to save that you kind of know the context. It happens, Jesus makes this declaration of why he came. It happens in his interaction with a man by the name of Zacchaeus. Now, if there's any junior high boys in here tonight and you're having a little rough time in life because you haven't hit a growth spurt and your younger sister's like four inches taller than you, hang in there, but know this. Zacchaeus understands your struggle. The Bible says that he was a short man, a man of short stature. We would sing in Sunday school, a wee little man. While he was a rich tax collector, he found that Jesus was coming and he, desiring to want to see Jesus, ran ahead of the crowd, climbed up into a sycamore tree to get a glimpse of Jesus. But it's in that scene that Jesus stops and he finds Zacchaeus. And he says, Zacchaeus, come down out of that tree. You are a son of Abraham. Today, salvation comes to your house. In other words, he seeks and saves that which is lost, the short little Zacchaeus in the tree. It's as if he says to that lost man, you get down out of that tree because I am going to hang in the tree that you might be found. He came to seek and to save that which is lost. Understand that Jesus knows the struggles that you go through. He knows every one of them. He knows what it is to have no place to lay his head. He knows what it's like to be misunderstood by family. His family members thought that he was crazy. He understands what it's to be canceled and rejected by society to the point of being crucified. If you even think about it. Christmas is about a baby in a stable. For the sake of embarrassing my children, I think of the dad joke. Jesus, while born in a manger, was not the ideal situation. At least it was stable. <laughs> Dads, you're welcome. Jesus came for the lost. He knows what it's like to be in that place. Would you listen and think quite possibly 
you sense that your life is lost, Jesus has, has come. In that lost state that Jesus has come, that rescue mission, he has another interaction in Luke chapter 5 and verse 30 where he further puts the, the point on. You see, a lost person needs rescue. They don't know their whereabouts. They're, they're not like a guy going, I'll figure it out. No, they are so buried and gone, they need somebody to come and find them. Jesus gives another example of those that are sick. In Luke chapter 5, he goes to... Uh, have dinner with a group of people and the religious leaders find out about it and listen to what they describe the people Jesus is having dinner with. He, they say to him, why does he eat and drink with such scum? Boy, that'll really make you feel special. And Jesus says this, healthy people do not need doctors, sick people do. I have come to call not those who think they are righteous, but those who know they are sinners and need to repent. You see, Jesus in coming for the lost, coming for the sick, coming for what the scripture calls the sinner, the one who is far off from God, stuck in the mire and the guilt of their shame. Listen to how important this reality is. The fact that Jesus came for the lost and the sick and the sinner gives you and I such hope. And it's this, we don't earn access to Jesus. If he came for the rich, if he came for the elite, if he came for the political leaders, there would be something in us to say, I've got to at least make it there to know him and see him. But he came for a people that could not even get themselves out of the situation. And he says, I found you. He comes thirdly, the third reason for Christmas. He came that you might have life. It's in John chapter 10. In verse 10, we find the third reason Jesus came. He came that you might have life. In John 10.10, 10, it says, The thief does not come except to steal and to kill and to destroy. I have come that you might have life and that, they are, that you may have it more abundantly. Jesus, from his own words, what's Christmas about? Why was the, the Christ child born? Why did the father send his son? It was to do his will, came to seek and save the lost, but also that you might have life. If you notice in verse 10, as I read it, the thief does not come except to steal and to kill and to destroy. There's a juxtaposition between a thief and Jesus. There is this comparison of a, of a robber or a thief in the context of John chapter 10. It's like a false shepherd amongst the sheepfold trying to rob the sheep and kill the sheep and take advantage of the flock. And Jesus, the good shepherd, the door to the sheepfold, says, I've come that you might have life. Now, I'm pretty confident that many of you, after the Thanksgiving feast, started a series of days watching Christmas movies. Right, you've watched a handful, maybe you pick one on the weekends or at night, and you jump back from classics to new ones, and it's pretty official at this point. There is a classic Christmas movie that I'm sure a majority of you have watched, Home Alone. Right, you might even, you have this urge right now to slap your cheeks and scream. You're quoting lines in your head, but think about even in that comical movie, there's even that reality that the robbers and thieves 
They don't even take Christmas off. And Jesus comes and says, hey, Christmas is about me coming to rescue you from such thieves that you might have life. But we've got to understand what this life is. You remember that it says that this life is an abundant life. It's a life beyond necessity. It's a life that if you understand and, and know, it is a spiritual life that is eternal and everlasting, that is enjoyed and, and impacting even today. It is a life that though every single one of us in here are physically alive, we are breathing, our hearts are beating, but not every one of us is spiritually alive. And Jesus has come on a rescue mission, sent by the Father doing his will that you tonight might have life. No, this life though, this life is abundant. This life is directly connected to a relationship with Jesus. True, genuine life is not just to be on this earth for decades, for a large number of years or many years. It's not about how much you accumulate. A real, true, living life is to be in relationship with God through Christ. It is a life that is beyond this world. Jesus himself will say, I am the resurrection and the life. It is a life directly connected to a relationship with Jesus. That's why he'll say, I am the good shepherd and I know my sheep and my sheep know me. True life is having relationship with God and that is possible through Christ. It is a, a great truth that speaks against one of the greatest lies in human history. A lie that we buy even in church. And it is this lie. The greatest lie in human history is that I have life or that I'm right with God or that I am going to heaven because I am a good person. It's the lie that believes if you do more good than bad, you are right with God, but Jesus came because that is impossible. And he says, no, you want life? It is in me. It is a spiritual life of relationship with me. I know my people. Those that believe in the name of the Son of God, they have eternal life. It's abundant life, a life of relationship, but also a life of provision. <laughs> You know, he meets your spiritual needs. He provides. He even says in John chapter 10 and verse 9 that he is the door that those that enter into him, they come and they go and they find pasture. Think about one of the most common psalms that you have heard throughout your decades or your years on this earth, Psalms 23. How does it start? The Lord is my shepherd. I shall not what? Want. He leads you to those green pastures. He takes you to those still waters. And the life that he gives, the abundant life, is a life of provision, a provision of healing, a provision of righteousness. We even sang about it, think about it. We sang, hail the heaven-born prince of peace, hail the son of righteousness. Light and life to all he brings, risen with healing in his wings. That is the provision of that abundant life. But it also is not only relationship, not only provision, it's security. Jesus says he is the door to the sheep fold. He guards it. He gives his life for his people. And he says that he and that security, he saves them. Think of that abundant life. Back to that Psalm 23, the line that we've heard and Maybe even reminds us of moments when we have faced death. Yea, though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil for you 
are with me. That he has prepared a table in the presence of your enemies. He is your security. He was sent to do the Father's will, to live the life we could not live. He came on a rescue mission to seek and to save lost people, giving us such hope that though we cannot get ourselves out, though we are so beyond our own self-rescue, he came to save us, and he came that we would have a life, an abundant life of security with him, his provision, a relationship with him. But how is that all possible? Well, that's where we have to understand the fourth reason. He came to give his life for you. In Mark chapter 10, in verse 45, we see our final reason. Straight from the mouth of Jesus, straight from him. And he says this, the son of man did not come to be served, but to serve and to give his life as a ransom for many. Listen to that. Jesus goes, I came to die. I came to give my life, and my life is a ransom for many. Now, it really lies in understanding ransom. Ransom is a a term that is commonly seen throughout the Old Testament, and it's also transliterated as redeemed or redemption. It's the idea of paying the, the cost or paying the price to set someone free or set an animal free, to set um, property free that has been lost in debt. It's really the language of paying the bail for a prisoner, To pay the price that a captive would go free, that a slave would be given their papers to walk free. And Jesus comes to say, fourth reason, I came to ransom many. But understand what he says when he says, I came to give my life as a ransom. It tells us something about our condition. Those that he came to ransom were in such a condition, they were unable to to set themselves free. Like, think about it. We hear often, I I need to pull up my moral bootstraps. Maybe that's why you're here this evening, because it's right to go to church on Christmas. But Jesus comes and says, the reality is you have no moral bootstraps to pull up. But I came to ransom and to set you free. Our condition of being in rebellion against him, living in a fallen world, being guilty before him, he comes and he says, but I'm willing to pay the price to set you free. Now, I'm going to be honest with you, this ransom payment, we got to look at the price, not just the condition. We're unable to get out of ourselves. We had to be set free and he paid it. But understand this price, this is the exact opposite of all my bargain Christmas shoppers in here tonight. You know who you are. You will start Christmas shopping for 2024 in three days. Right, you, you are ready to be at Walmart to get wrapping paper at 75% off. You are even holding on to receipts right now, checking the prices of things you bought three weeks ago because you have no shame. You'll go straight up in there and say, you need to price match this sucker. <laughs> right, you know a good deal when you find it. Here's the reality of Christmas. Jesus came to give his life as a ransom for many. Jesus' life, his payment, his price was not the bargain of heaven. It was the precious blood of the only begotten son. You are redeemed and set free, not by silver and gold, but by the precious blood of Jesus. Christ has sacrificed his life in your stead to set you free. We sang about it. 
Think about when we saying peace on earth and mercy mild, God and sinner reconciled. Born that man no more may die, born to raise the sons of earth, born to give them second birth. It happened, it was paid for, the price of Jesus' own life. It lets you know that maybe this Christmas, this is the worst Christmas in your life. It is the darkest, the hardest, your whole life has crumbled. It has brought other misery, but yet you see in Jesus that 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 is why there is Christmas, that he came to ransom you from such a place. There is, if you would gaze at the nativity, as you would see the moonlit manger where Jesus is laid, you see that there is cast the shadow of the cross, that he gave his life that we might be forgiven. He took our place so that we could be found, saved, and set free. If you like taking notes, or even if you have the ability to write something down, I would encourage you to write down this. A great debt who can pay. A great debt who can pay. And let me tell you a story. It's a story that comes out of the Russian army during the time of the czar. Where there was a young Russian soldier whose dad had some connections and was able to negotiate a position for his son in the Russian army. The young man was given a responsible job to be the paymaster for his barracks. He would distribute the government's money to pay the soldiers each month. And while he was given a great responsibility, the young man's character really wasn't up to the par needed for the responsibility. As time went on, the young soldier took up gambling. He quickly gambled away all of his money and then began to gamble away the Russian government's money. He began to use the money that he was to uh, distribute to the soldiers for his own gambling pleasure. And finally, the day came in due course when he received, received a notice that a representative from the czar would be coming to check the books. In a panic, he laid out the ledger and he began to calculate. And he had finally, for the first time in a long time, realized the extent of his debt. He was overwhelmed by the figure that he saw, but he ran to his safe. He opened it up and pulled out the pity, pitiful uh, little bundle of money that was his. And when he compared the pitiful amount he had with the large debt that he owed, he wrote on the ledger, a great debt who could pay. He had realized there was no way in which he could pay it. And he had determined that at the stroke of midnight, he would take his revolver and he would end his life. As he continued to look at the amount owed and as the clock ticked on, he became drowsy and ended up falling asleep. Well, as he fell asleep, the czar, Nicholas I, as was sometimes his custom, was making an inspection of barracks and he just so happened to be at this gentleman's barrack. 
He noticed the light on in the barrack and decided to investigate. And so he walked in and he saw the young man asleep on the table with the ledger opened. He quickly recognized the young man. He knew who he was. And as he looked at the ledger and he saw the large amount, he realized what had happened. And his first reaction was to wake the man up and to arrest him and haul him off. But he saw written next to the debt, a great debt, who can pay. A wave of generosity came over the Tsar Nicholas I, and he took the writing utensil and he wrote right by the question, put pen down, and walked out. The young soldier jolted himself awake later on, looked at the clock, and saw it was way past midnight and quickly reached for his revolver to finish the deed. But as he reached for the revolver, he saw there what a great debt who can pay and noticed that there was written the name Nicholas. He quickly confirmed the authenticity of the signature and realized that the Tsar Nicholas I took full responsibility for the debt. He said this, he, the czar, knows all, still he is willing to forgive. You know what Christmas says to you? A great debt who can pay, will you see written in crimson blood is the name Jesus. So we know why he came do you mind if I ask you, why have you come tonight? Why are you here? Is it possible that the reason you are here is because Jesus has been seeking to save you who are lost? Are you here because of a debt so great who can pay and you see tonight that he gave his life as a ransom for you? Are you here tonight is the why? Because I am just at wit's end. I am guilt-ridden and shamed. Do you know that he has come and he has died and he can wash you and set you free? As we know the why of Jesus' coming, we must ask ourselves, what should we do? And can I just be an ambassador of Jesus and plead with you tonight, come back to God? And you know what needs to be done? You need to put your faith and your trust in Jesus. That the baby born, that we celebrate the birth of Christ is the savior of the world who has been on a rescue mission to save you, who has fulfilled the father's will, living the perfect life to be able to give his life for you that you might have life. Would you put your faith and trust in him? What to do? Secondly, would you tonight confess that you are lost? Confess that your soul is sick with sin and you need forgiveness. Confess your sins and he will forgive you. What to do tonight? Will you turn from your way of living to come to Jesus? And Jesus says, anyone who comes unto me, I will in no way cast out. Will you find in Christmas the savior you so badly need and surrender to him? Jesus came. For you. He came for us. Would you bow your head for a moment of prayer?
Father, we thank you that we can, on this Christmas Eve, pause this evening and go directly to your son and find why he came. We can come and see the the purpose and the reason, the why of Christmas, that the child born to the Virgin Mary, that the, the Christ child who grew in wisdom and grew and lived in perfection, full submission, accomplishing your will, did it to seek and to save lost people like us. That he came that we might have life relationship with you, that we might have provision and security in you for all of eternity. That he came to give his life in our place to set us free. Thank you that Christmas is about your son coming to live the life we could not live and to die the death that we deserve. And thank you, Father, that though we may say in our heart, what a great debt, who can pay, that we find this Christmas that Jesus has paid it all. Father, if there's anyone in here this evening that they have come and they realize their lost condition, they understand their need for the life that you give, that they're ready to surrender to you, that, Father, they would trust in your Son, that they would confess their sin, they would turn to you and that they would know that you can save them tonight. I ask while our heads are bowed and our eyes are closed in this moment, if there's anyone in here that you realize tonight you're here because Jesus wants to bring salvation into your life. Jesus wants to forgive you. Jesus wants to give you life. And you understand that you need to put your faith and trust in him. And you want to do that tonight. Would you raise your hand to anyone in here this evening? Just raise your hand up. God bless you in the back. God bless you in the middle. Anybody else in this moment? God bless you in the side. God bless you. God bless you. God bless you. Anybody else in this moment? You're just raising your hand to go. I see that he has come to rescue me. God bless you. God bless you in the front. God bless you in the middle. Anybody else in this moment? For those of you that have raised your hand, you've come to realize the reason for Christmas, that Christ has come to bring salvation. I want you to take a moment and tell the Lord what you've come to realize. To go before him in prayer, to confess your sin, to confess your faith in him. And if you raised your hand, would you pray with me and say, Lord... I know that I, I'm lost, but I see tonight that you sent your son to save me. I know that your son, Jesus, died on the cross for my sin to set me free. Will you forgive me of my sin? Will you wash me and cleanse me? I know that Jesus not only died for me, but rose from the dead. And I want to turn from my way of living to follow after you and to live in newness of life. I surrender my life to you. I thank you for what you have done this Christmas Eve. In Jesus' name, amen.